This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. Influences what becomes fruit in your life because you abide in Him. The fruit is the, the sign of new life. The fruit is the sign of new life. Not the talk, but the fruit. And guess what, guys? The fruit is not what we do, it's not the activities. Any unsaved person can go out and feed the homeless and go out and do certain works and do certain things. Anyone can do that. No, this fruit is fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in a life. And Galatians 5, and 23 tell us what this fruit is. It's not what we do, it's actually what we become. You know, many people think that their good works, actions, or things that they do indicate a heart that's filled with the Spirit. In today's message, Pastor Troy will teach listeners that it's ultimately a character shift that occurs in the heart when we abide in Christ. Only when we spend time with the Lord in His Word and invite Him into our hearts can authentic fruit be produced. Our actions typically change too, but any deed that's inspired by our own efforts can sometimes just be a display and not true fruit from the Holy Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 15 as he begins his message, Bearing Fruit Naturally. John chapter 15 verses 1 through 7, Bearing Fruit Naturally. You know, a tree, a fruit tree bears fruit naturally according to what it is, right? A a tree bears fruit, you see it, it's oranges, then you cannot call it an apple tree because that would not be true. It's an orange tree. You know what kind of tree it is by its fruit. Well, Jesus said that you would be able to discern those who are his by their fruit. You'd be able to discern that. Um, there's a fruit that would be born naturally. That's the idea of fruit being produced. Not that you have to. They're going to do these things, and legalistically, they're going to do this, and they're going to do that, and they're going to hold to the law, and they're going to... Not that. It's going to happen naturally because it's who they are, because of who they're abiding in, in season, because it's a real fruit. We can be deceived by the things people do or the things people say, right? Like Jorge Rodriguez was the meanest, honoriest bandit on the Texas-Mexican border. The guy would often slip across the line, raid the banks of South Texas, steal him blind, and before they could catch him, he would race back into Mexico and hide out. No matter how hard the law tried, they could never catch him. Finally, the Texans got fed up with the nonsense, decided to put the toughest Texas Ranger they had on the case. Sure enough, that got the job done. After only a few days of searching, the ranger found the bandit in a dingy saloon, dingy, dusty saloon south of the border. He bolted into the bar, pulled both guns, and yelled, Okay, stick them up, Jorge. You're under arrest. I know you've got the money. Suddenly, a little guy over in the corner butted in. Wait a minute. Just a minute, senor, he said. Jorge does not speak English. He's my amigo, so I'll translate for you. The ranger explained, Look, We know he's the bandit. 
We've been looking for him. We know he's taken thousands and thousands of dollars, about a million dollars actually, and we want it back now. Either he pays up or I'll fill him full of holes. You tell him that. Okay, okay, I'll tell him, I'll tell him. So the little fellow turned to Jorge and repeated in Spanish everything the ranger had said. The ranger, not knowing a word of the language, waited for the bandit's reply. Jorge listened, frowned, responded in resignation in Spanish. Okay, they got me. Tell him to go down to the well just south of town. Count four stones down from the top of the well. Then pull one of the loose stones, the one loose stone. All the money I have stolen, I've hidden behind the stone. The clever little translator turned to the Texas Ranger and translated with a shrug. Jorge said, go ahead, you big mouth, shoot me. I'm never going to tell you where it is. (laughs) Well, he wasn't all he cracked up to be, was he? He sold himself well. I will help you. I'm in for you. But he was really in it for himself. You wouldn't know that until you saw the fruit. Over time, fruit has a way of bearing itself out. He was a hypocrite, wasn't he? Said one thing, that he did something else. Today, Jesus shows the difference between the real, genuine believer and the temporary pretender. We're going to learn the importance of staying connected in Christ in in terms of relationship. We're also going to learn the importance of hardships as they relate to our growth and, and bearing fruit. And we'll see the importance of discipleship, how not everyone who is around Christ is necessarily a disciple of Christ. So we begin in verse one. Jesus is speaking. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit He takes away, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, the first way that we bear fruit naturally is that you are connected to Christ. You're connected to Christ, and so you bear fruit naturally. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, the thing about branches is there is no life in a branch apart from the trunk or the, or the vine. There's no life in it. You cut it off, move it aside, it doesn't continue to produce. It doesn't continue to do anything. In fact, sometimes it will continue to show a little bit of growth because it's that residual nutrition that's already in there, that residual moisture that's there. It looks like it still has life, but it's really dying because it's no longer abiding, connected. So what does it mean to be connected, to connect to Christ, to be connected to Christ? Because that's the way we produce fruit. It's to abide in him. It means to have a relationship with him. Such a relationship, though, not just have a relationship with him, but to have such a relationship with him that his character, his words, his personality, who he is, flows into your being 
and provides everything for you so that that ends up coming out of you. See, that's what happens to the branch. It's not an orange branch. It's just a branch. But it is connected to a root system and the trunk of an orange tree. And therefore, it produces oranges. So, we're to have a relationship with him. In fact, you don't have salvation if you don't have a relationship with Christ. And he influences what becomes fruit in your life because you abide in him. The fruit is the the sign of new life. The fruit is the sign of new life. Not the talk, but the fruit. And guess what, guys? The fruit is not what we do. It's not the activities. Any unsaved person can go out and feed the homeless and go out and do certain works and do certain things. Anyone can do that. No, this fruit is fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in a life. And Galatians 5, and 23 tell us what this fruit is. It's not what we do. It's actually what we become. Galatians 5, through 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. See, that's why the law is insignificant for those who are in Christ. Because in Christ, you don't need a law. What you will end up doing is these things. And he says, when you do these things, You're good. The law was to control a people who didn't do good, who didn't, don't have a good nature. It was to control. But when you are abiding in Christ, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, the things you do, I want you to do. And there's too many things, too many details for the law to even cover it. And so I want you to abide in Christ and be like Christ There'll be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Whenever someone does something and they say, I have no control over it, like tongues or whatever, I have no control over it. Um, That's not the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit gives control, self-control. Some think all you need is a ceremonial connection. I'm abiding. I have a ceremonial connection. That's the doing. I do. So a Jew might say, well, I celebrate the Sabbath. Are you born again? I celebrate the Sabbath. Are you a believer? I celebrate the Sabbath. I've been circumcised. I worship in the temple. You ask a Christian or someone who goes to church, hey, are you born again? Are you a believer? I go to church. Are you saved? I've been baptized. I'm a Baptist, in fact. Okay, so you have an affiliation, but are you saved? You're born again. Well, I'm taking Bible courses. I want to be a preacher. But are you saved? It's not about a ceremonial connection. That's not abiding. That's just doing things. But that's not abiding. Some think all you need is a traditional connection. Being because of genetics. What's important about Jesus calling himself the true vine? Did you notice that he says, I am the true vine. Why that's so important as he's speaking to Jews is because they always fancied themselves to be the vine. We're the vine. God always used an illustration of us as the vine, as the the grapes, you know, that, that. And so Jesus is telling them, look, 
I am the true vine. You are the branch. Oh, and if the branch isn't abiding and producing fruit, it gets cut off and cast away. So you can't say, well, I'm a Jew. I'm in. I'm saved. I'm yours. He's saying, no, I'm the vine. And if you're not in the vine, you're cast off. It doesn't matter your nationality or anything else. I am the true vine. And he's speaking to Jews when he says this. Now, it's in our New Testament, and we understand the same concept for ourselves, but he is speaking to them. I am the true vine. You are the branch. John the Baptist was speaking to crowds, many of them Jews, about being baptized. The Jews didn't believe they needed that. That was something for Gentiles. But John the Baptist said to them, no, you all need to repent. He says, don't say to yourself, I am a descendant of Abraham and think that you're going to be okay. See, that wasn't enough. He said, God can raise up from these stones descendants to Abraham. Do the things, the little tradition things and, and law things. He could raise up that. He wants those who abide, who believe in, who repent from their sin and follow or turn to Christ. Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message, so be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible, and you can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later, or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way, you'll never miss a teaching, and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. Abiding in Christ has nothing to do with holding to traditions or whether you come from a Christian home or a Christian nation. That's not abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ is about a relational connection with Christ. It's an ongoing personal relationship with Christ. It can't be your family's. It's not something you inherit. It's something you're born again into. And then you have a relationship with him. You see, we're all influenced by the relationships that we have with people. When we put ourselves in certain circles of people, we're influenced by them. Don't think you're not. Don't think, no, I'm the one who influences. Yeah, you might, but there's always, anytime two or more are gathered, there's always a negotiation between that group about what we're going to believe, what we're going to be acceptable. Otherwise, you're out. We don't hang with you. And so there is a, a negotiation in it as to what we agree on, what we do, what we don't do. Others don't fit in. And, and so that's how little groups are, are fielded. And we are influenced by those that we're around. Kids are a great example of this. You can train your child and, and keep them away from things like, uh, you know, brand name, pursuing glamour and all that stuff. But then two weeks in school, and, and they come home, and you wonder, where'd you get that word? Our family does not use that word. Where did that come from? 
Well, it's friends or, God forbid, a teacher. That's what happened with Joshua. First year in kindergarten, we had sent him off to a charter school, and he comes back. I won't say the word. (laughs) And he comes back, and he uses a word like it's normal. I said, what did you say? Five years old. What did you say? He said it again, like it was normal. So I knew, okay, this is not a, a pounce time. This is a ponder time. Where'd you get that word? Well, our teacher, the camera teacher, he says it all the time. It's like, you've only been going like two days. <laughs> and so I thought, this is just not good. Went to visit the school, and the teacher spoke mostly slang, not even proper English. I said, this is what's teaching our kids? I said, no wonder our kids don't have a chance. They're influenced. We're influenced by those we surround ourselves with and don't think you're not. They didn't even know there was such thing as brand name until someone said, you got those? What are those? Man, you can wear Nikes or wear this brand or that brand. And so the kid comes home now, and it was never an issue before, but now it's like these are not good enough. Why? Because the shoes aren't good enough? No, but because the friends don't accept them. God help us. Because of a pair of shoes? I hope they're not getting this stuff from parents. But they get influenced by their parents, by others, by their peers, and they get influenced by nonsense. Howard Hendricks said, Show me a man's closest companions, and I can make a fairly accurate guess as to what sort of man he is, as well as what sort of man he is likely to become. So you will bear fruit naturally, when you're connected to Christ. Naturally. In fact, that's the beginning of bearing fruit. You're born again. You're connected. You're also going to bear fruit. Here's a big reason why you will bear fruit. And is you are cared for by the Father. You're cared for by the Father. Look at verse 1. Jesus said, I am the vine. My Father is the vine dresser. You know what that means? The father is the farmer. The father is the one who cultivates to ensure there's fruit. The last I read, he's pretty good at what he does. When the father cultivates, there's fruit. That means when there's abiding, there's cultivating. When there's cultivating, there's fruit. This means that the father tends to you. He oversees the whole fruit-bearing process to ensure there will be fruitfulness. He looks to see what needs to be fixed, uh, what needs to be added, what needs to be taken away. He examines each branch for what's good and what's not good. If it's straight, if it needs to be curved, he examines it and he tends to it. Part of the, the idea is that you are never off of his radar because he cares and he wants you to produce fruit. He wants fruitfulness, and so he tends. Not only does he tend, but part of the tending is that he's going to prune. We read that word, too. He he prunes. Very important word. Verse 2 says that he prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. He prunes for more fruitfulness. He's working on you for fruitfulness. More fruitfulness. The idea is that he makes room for more fruit by cutting away unnecessary things that take up room 
or time or energy. He cuts away those things so there can be more fruitfulness where he wants it. See, the vine dresser would prune to get rid of dead areas. Areas where there's nothing being produced, it's dead. We could call this worldly stuff. Nothing good is going on there. Nothing godly is happening. It's worldly stuff. It's just dead. It's a dead branch. It's a dead avenue. It's a dead activity. It's not producing anything. It's dead. He cuts those things away. But they would also cut off live areas. Did you know that? When they would prune, they would cut off living areas where there was growth because they didn't desire growth in that area. Because they wanted to focus the growth. They would even take certain plants or, or certain vines, grapevines, and they would pluck off good grapes in order to leave room and more nutrient for the other grapes so that he didn't have tons of little grapes, but fewer full, healthy, sweet grapes. So if you're the branch, you might think, Why would the farmer do this? Why would the vine dresser do this? It doesn't make any sense. Well, he's doing it because he wants more fruit, more fruitfulness. Not work, but fruitfulness. So what does pruning mean for you and I? Well, I'll give you one word. Ouch. That's what it means. Anytime God breaks out the knife and and, and cuts things away in our life, we don't like it. We don't like it. In fact, again, the branches would say, what, what is he doing? Surely he wouldn't want to do this. This hurts. But Jesus said he does it that there might be more fruitfulness. Not that the result would happen, because the, there, there were already results, a little bit of fruit over here, but God didn't want fruit there. He wants a focus here, so cut away that, cut away this, cut away this, so that the right fruit, and grow. Some will say, well, I know it's expanding and it's draining me, but, but I see little hints. I see little signs. And maybe God's cutting it away anyway because it's destroying you. And though there's a little bit of fruit, it's through a lot of work. And it's not where he wants you to produce fruit naturally. You know that God has a bigger plan and purpose even for your life than just the things that you see right before you with your eyes. The things that can kind of steal your attention, draw your attention, distract you or pull on you. God has a bigger plan than those things. He's working in each one of us to produce fruit, fruitfulness. Fruit that could be tasted by the world, tasted by others. And this is the thing about fruit. The fruit isn't for us. The fruit is something others are refreshed by and they get nutrients because of. There's some we're trying to force fruit, force fruit. Oh, they get fruit in this area. And they're like, I don't care about the fruit. I don't want the fruit. But there are other things that God is doing if we would just, all right, cut those branches because they're not, you know, I'm working hard. There's some fruit. Producing a few grapes, sour grapes sometimes, but they're there. But cut off all those things you don't want and help me to focus on the things you do. And then naturally, sometimes you'll realize it, sometimes you won't even realize it. Fruit is produced because it's natural. You may know that someone enjoys it, but you may not. What pleases the fruit tree more if it could have a personality would not be, look, look at my lovely orange. No, that's pride. Instead, 
the fruit tree, the branch abiding, the joy that it, it finds is in when someone plucks, tastes, and goes, oh man, this is good. Yeah. And then more fruit, and more fruit happens, but it's naturally. Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than other gospel books, John introduces his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles, because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the message to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come